0: Welcome everyone around the world to It's a Wrap with Rap. I'm your host, Ron Rappaport. I would like to thank all of our listeners, viewers, supporters, and sponsors for making this podcast such a success. The podcast is being heard and viewed in all 50 states, all provinces of Canada, and over 70 countries around the world. The podcast has been ranked by FeetSpot as one of the top 35 overcoming adversity podcasts on the web. Please visit the podcast website, it's a wrap with rap.com for all the episodes and to order logo merchandise and other fine products from our sponsors. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire, motivate, and educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Dr. Charlie Ferrer. Dr. Charlie Ferrer is a world-renowned clinical sexologist and sex therapist. She is the award-winning author of several books on relationships, sexuality, self-empowerment, and breast cancer. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016 and thyroid cancer in 2017. Frustrated with the lack of information and treatment options provided to cancer patients, Dr. Charlie created the Cancer Tamer Foundation, which focuses on education and empowerment. In 2019, she wrote the play Breast Cancer Diaries, which premiered to a sold-out crowd on Staten Island and Manhattan, along with two documentary films, Messages of Hope and Faces of Breast Cancer. Her philosophy on breast cancer is realizing that cancer is not an outside force invading, but an inside force residing. It's in our blood, our breasts, our DNA. In our attempts to destroy it, we are inadvertently destroying ourselves. Dr. Charlie's revolutionary new way of thinking about cancer is turning heads, creating controversy, and reminding women and men that we should not be at war with our body. Welcome, Dr. Charlie, to the podcast.
1: Hey, Ron. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it, and hi to everybody who's listening in.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and I might add that uh, when I was first diagnosed, uh, back in 2019, with my first uh, breast cancer episode, male breast cancer episode, uh, I traveled to Orlando to a Male Breast Cancer Happens.org convention, and Dr. Charlie wangled me into a room, and before I knew it, I was in one. Of, I was in one of her documentaries. So,
1: and you were in the documentary, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that so we have met before in, in Orlando. Now, before we get into the questions. Uh, For you regarding the Cancer Tamer Foundation, I want to ask you uh, about your frustration on the lack of information and treatment options you encountered regarding cancer.
1: Yeah. So when I was first diagnosed, I was diagnosed in 2016. And I'm one of these people that I believe in getting all the information. Give me as much information as you can so that I can make a good decision. And what I found was that the doctors were saying, well, we'll tell you what you need to know when we feel you need to know it. And my take on that is like, "Okay, so you're going to let me get hit by the bus before you teach me how to cross the street. It, it, It just doesn't work that way. And so I started going out and getting information and and just Call, I, I would call the American Cancer Society at three and four in the morning, trying to get them to answer questions and send me more pamphlets. Um, and so, you know, and I, and I just devoured anything and everything I could read, but being very conscientious of when I started looking for information, there's so much mis- misinformation on the web. Um, when I started looking for my information, they told me I was going to die in two years. If I didn't get these vitamins that they had for sale, you know, so be very conscientious of there's so many hoaxes out there and they prey on your fear. And so that was one of the reasons why I started the foundation, because of the fact that there wasn't information being provided for me as a patient. Nobody would tell me what was going on. They kind of did the well, you know, why aren't you just shutting up and doing what we tell you? And I'm yeah. like, well, because I'm the type of person that you need to tell me what my options are. So then I can decide. Don't just right. walk into a room, say, OK, well, we're going to you're going to have a dual mastectomy and we're going to remove your ovaries. And I'm like, um, wait a minute. You, you know, that that's not what we're doing. You know, you must have the wrong chart because that's not what we're doing. And the woman that's sitting there, she goes, oh, um, your name's Charlie Ferrer, right? And I was like, yes, that's me. And she goes, Well, that's what you're here for. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm here for. And and she asked, Well, why do you think you're here? And I said, Well, I was just told that I had breast cancer. So I need to know what what we're gonna do, how we're gonna, you know, how we're gonna move forward. And she's like, Oh, well, I'll come back then. And I'm like, Who the hell are you? She goes, Oh, I'm the breast surgeon. <laughs> like, you uh-huh. don't even introduce yourself. Um, So it, it became that part of me getting very frustrated because they didn't want to give the information. They didn't have the time. Go and make another appointment with us and then we'll talk to you. And I'm like, I'm right here. I've waited an hour in your waiting room. I, I don't want to spend my time when you're not going to tell me. And so I started getting more information and that's how Cancer Tamer came about because everybody talks about how, you know, you have to be at war. You know, you, you have to fight, you have to survive. You have to, you know, you, you, you can battle it. You're a survivor. You're a warrior. You're this, you're that. And it's like, wait a minute, why should I be at war with my body? That's not what I want. And so my thought on it was, you know, I, I don't want to be known as a survivor. I don't want to have to battle. What else can I do? And it was like, well, I can, I can learn how to tame the cancer. I can learn how to get the cancer to quiet down so that I can actually live with it better if that's what's going to happen. And the way I look at it is whether or not you go out and you become cancer free or they, or, um, you know, you, you have the surgery and they take out the tumors, you're still going to have that, that mentality, that fear, that connection to the cancer whether you you're a cancer free or not and so i always say well you know you need to tame that piece too because if you're going into your follow-up appointments terrified that there's something wrong with you that you oh my gosh well you know i i i don't know if i'm in remission yet i don't know if if the cancers come back i don't know i don't know i don't know you're going to drive yourself crazy and that stress is going to make you sick Right. And so let's let's tame that feeling. let's tame the what we believe about the cancer so that instead of fighting it and and throwing more toxic chemicals at it, we start eating better, you know, exercising more, moving our bodies, learning how to be comfortable where we are in life. And that's the important piece of it. because do you really want to spend the rest of your life being afraid? or, or being at war with cancer. And it just, it, that's not the way I want to spend my life. Whether I have, you know, one day, one month, 39 years, that's not how I want to live. And that's, that's how cancer tamer came about. Let's learn how to tame it so that we can move forward. Because even if you have metastatic breast cancer um, or any kind of cancer, you know, it's, Are you doing things to make yourself healthier with where you are? And it's not like, oh, well, let me, you know, let let me go take more chemo. Let me go do more radiation. Let me, let me cut something else off. It's really, it's, is that going to be the rest of your life? Let's, let's back up a little bit. And it is getting that information because the medical community does not give you options they only have three things that they do surgery chemo and radiation it's like but look at all the other options that are available other ways to heal other ways to to address cancer and those are the pieces that they don't talk about even getting them to talk about nutrition is difficult
0: okay so you answered my next question why that specific <laughs> name uh yeah. let me let me ask you a, a personal Personally, did you ever get chemo or radiation?
1: No, I didn't actually. Um, when I, after my my diagnosis, and I had um, um dual mastectomy done, and um, it wasn't supposed to be a full mastectomy; they were just supposed to um, do a, a, a light lumpectomy. They ended up doing a dual mastectomy, um, and then from they did an Uncle diagnostic tests yeah
0: the oncotype dx test yeah
1: Yeah. and so for those that have dcis for the cancer has not not shown to have spread the oncotypal test can tell you how effective the chemo will be
0: this podcast is being brought to you in part by the veteran-founded hero soap company located in phoenix arizona in today's environment we must be aware of the products we apply to our skin As a two-time cancer survivor, I cannot afford to take chances and I use these products myself. The soaps will leave you feeling clean and refreshed. All the products made by the Hero Soap Company are made in the United States with the highest quality ingredients sourced from companies in the United States whenever possible. The products are made in small batches to ensure high quality and contain premium essential oils and fragrance. All Hero Soaps are created without synthetic colorants, parabens, and sulfates that are irritating to the eyes, skin, mouth, and lungs, and are cruelty-free, meaning these products are not tested on animals. Each 5-ounce bar of soap is handmade in Phoenix, Arizona, and the body wash is available in 8 ounces with such refreshing scents as the woods, tea tree, lavender, the fields, bourbon, lime, the pines, and arctic. You will absolutely love this soap. Please also check out their gear for sale. All the products are reasonably priced. Being veteran-founded, the company understands the dedication and sacrifice that each family makes to serve their country. A portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and our first responders. Over 1,200 bars have been sent to our deployed troops. Please check out their website, herosoapcompany.com, for pricing and a detailed description of all the products. When ordering, use the code RAP for a 10% discount. The company information will be listed in the podcast notes and featured on the podcast website, Facebook group page, and the podcast, Instagram. Right.
1: The, so when they came back with the results for me, they said, Oh, well, it's only going to be 14% effective for you, you know, not for everybody else, but just for me, right. based on the tumor markers. And my thought was, well, if it's only going to be 14% effective, but you have a hundred percent side effects, what about the 86% if I don't take this medicine? You know, and if I don't undergo chemo? And the the response was, well, we don't look at the 86% that you'll be okay. We only look at the 14% with the chemo. And for me, that wasn't acceptable.
0: So they did so they recommended the chemo?
1: They did recommend chemo for thirty two for thirty two treatments, and i refused
0: thirty two i'm like thirty two thirty
1: two thirty two treatments they wanted to do with me, you, which I thought one was excessive as hell
0: was that radiation um, thirty two or
1: no it was chemo thirty two treatments of chemo um and really? when they when they recommended it to me, I said, no, I said, let me think about it and do my research because I'm big on research. So, um, they kind of got upset that I said, you know, I need two weeks to research this because I want to know what the chemo is going to do to my body. Cause I didn't research it. Um, and so they, they gave me the time when I came back, I was like, okay, so it's going to help me by 14%, but you're going to destroy my kidney, my liver, and my heart. Am I getting this right? And you can't, you can't guarantee that I won't get, you know, that I won't have metastasis or that I won't have another cancer. And they're like, no, we can't. And I'm like, well, then I'm not going to do it. Well, because for me, it wasn't the odds and the, and the side effects and the, and the damage that the chemo itself will cause in my body for 14% was not something that I was willing to do.
0: Yeah. Now. It's interesting because I had my Aquatype DX test and it came back very low. Uh, And then they Mm -hmm. also did another test, a print, and that came back very low. So they didn't even recommend chemo. That was in 2019. That was my first. Three years later, it came back.
1: But something new, not coming back. It's something new. And that's the piece that, from my perspective, you know, if you have breast cancer today, or any kind of cancer today, and you get rid of it, you, it's not in your margins, it's not in your blood, and, and you're cancer free, because it's not in those three things, then whatever happens after that is something new. And that's my opinion, not the medical opinion, but my opinion. Well, yeah. And so, and so that's the piece of, well, okay, something that we need to fix is still wrong. And so here we're going to, we're going to fix this. And, and so if you have a, a new cancer, the way I look at it, because you're getting a new test to find out, well, is this the same? Has it metastasized or hasn't it? You know, so there's so many factors that you're really looking at. And so being conscientious of, you know, am I still being exposed to toxins that most people don't even talk about? because everybody says oh well it runs in the family it's like no 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 only about 5% of cancer is hereditary right. the other 95% are all environmental factors yeah. you know what you're being exposed to what you're eating um, what you're living by what what you've you know what's been put in your body things like that so realizing that that there's so many factors that go into it And so for me, because of the fact that it was such a low, such a low percentage of of it being effective in the first place, I didn't want to gamble with destroying everything else in my body.
0: Yeah. You know, I kind of didn't have that option because the second time it came back, it was like in the lymph node. And Mm -hmm. so they had to take the lymph nodes out. And as a consequence, I got. Lymphedema
1: but, lymphedema but we're working
0: on that uh good but i did the chemo and i did the radiation so
1: okay
0: i mean you know everybody's got to make up their own mind and their own decision yes. and they have to basically go with their gut or whatever you know right at a certain right. point now what do you mean by we should not be at war with our bodies pertaining to your thinking about cancer sure.
1: so So back in the 70s, Nixon declared, President Nixon declared war against cancer. And that's where all of a sudden everything was, we're battling cancer. We have the war against cancer. We are surviving cancer. We are, you know, we have to battle. Everything is fight, fight, fight. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't fight. I'm saying that there's a big difference between what you think and what you're doing. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have cancer. I have to destroy it. I have to, I have to take more chemo. I have to take more radiation. I have to, you know, take these uh, aromatase inhibitors that are going to, you know, and there's just little chemo in that, you know, and so I'll, I'll have all these side effects because I'm gonna still keep fighting, fighting, fighting and and that's where I say you shouldn't be at war with your body because if you're fighting, fighting, who are you fighting? You know, I mean, cancer isn't this outside force that you could throw bombs at it or you can you know you can radiate it and and it's let me
0: take a very brief moment out to alert all our patients and caregivers out there, that rare patient voice a supporter of the podcast, is paying for your input. Patients 16 years and older and caregivers, family, and friends of any disability, disorder, syndrome, illness, or condition have the opportunity to express their opinions through surveys and interviews to improve medical products and services. Who knows your journey better than you? Rare Patient Voice puts you in touch with researchers who are developing products and services that can help you and others with your condition. These researchers need input of patients to develop products and services that have significant impact on patients' lives. Over the past nine years, Rare Patient Voice has paid patients over $10 million. When you join Rare Patient Voice, you may be invited to participate in interviews, surveys, or online communities where you will share your insights. Rare Patient Voice usually has hundreds of studies running at any time, so there are many opportunities to participate. You will earn $120 per hour for participating in these studies. By making your voice heard, you are a catalyst for change. Rest assured, your input will be used to help other patients like you. There is no cost at all to you, the participant. You can get more information and sign up by clicking the link in the sponsor's notes.
1: Out there, away from you. It's inside. And so as you're doing that, you're poisoning your body, you're radiating your body, you're, you know, you're you're thinking these thoughts of, oh my gosh, my body's against me and I have to be against my body. Instead of saying, okay, well, let me be together with this and get my body to to help me get better. Because we all have our intuition. We decide, wow, you know, if I eat that, that's really not that healthy. Okay, so now I'm not fighting. I'm just making a decision to be healthier, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't have to go, oh, well, I, you know, I, I have to eat these greens because that's what they said. And I hate these greens you're not going to eat them, right? You're just going to be fighting with everything. And so it's that mental attitude as well of how are you addressing this? Are you going to live your life in anger and at war? Or are you going to turn around and go, you know what, if I do this, it might be a little bit healthier. If I try to do a little bit more movement, that might be better for my body. If I... You know, if I start doing meditation, if I start doing yoga, if I, if I look at acupuncture instead of these pills that are, that they're giving me for pain and I do acupuncture instead or I, or I learn how to feel comfortable with that discomfort of having the pain in my chest. you know then I'm not fighting. I'm I'm not at war with my body. I'm not fighting going oh, my body's horrible because look, it's giving me all this pain. It's like no, I I realize that I'm gonna have this pain in my chest. All the time. And so now do I want to be comfortable with that pain and just go, okay, I know you're going to be there. So let me find ways to make it easier. Let me find ways to, you know, to, to have a good day. Instead of constantly be angry or, or feel like I'm a victim or feel like, you know, nobody's going to help me. And so noticing that whatever your mind believes your body's going to follow. So if you think you're getting healthier, then your body's going to go, Oh, right. We're getting healthier. And, and so you start working with your body. You start noticing, well, you know, if, if I do eat healthier, I have more energy. I have more stamina. I have more, more, you know, more energy to be able to do these things for myself. Um, you know, also the fact that there's, there's so many there's so many complications that come up and and things that we need in order to make our lives easier and how are we going to get to that how are we going to connect with that like something as simple as um a lymphedema pillow which nobody ever talks about the pillows or anything you know and so if if somebody were to tell you hey if you have lymphedema and And right after your surgery, let's get you this pillow so that you're not rubbing against the stitches right after you had surgery. Let's just get this little, I got one right here, actually, Um, you know, this little lymphedema pillow, which you just put underneath your arm. And it allows you to have that buffer between your arm and your sutures. Also, I wish I would have had that. Yeah. Um Nobody we actually part of yeah. My sister actually made these for me um after my surgery and so for cancer tamer we started making them for everybody. It's like, wow, these really work. Let's just make them and give them away. Um and so we do that. Um and so the whole piece on that too is that you can use it as a buffer against your chest and and the bed when you're going to sleep you know, or you can use them in the car when, you know, what really hurts is that seatbelt coming across your chest, even, you know, it could be a couple of months after surgery and you still get that pain in your chest. And so you can use this this lymphedema pillow as a little buffer up against the seatbelt so that it doesn't go up against your chest. And so those are the pieces I say, you know, instead of me sitting there fighting with, oh man, I have pain, I have pain. It's like, okay, well, let me find a way to to minimize that. Let me find a way of being able to, to live with it better. And, and that's what I mean by not being at war, by being able to tame. So let's think about how we're thinking and how we're getting along with ourselves, with our body. Um, and I have to say it's been seven years since um since I originally had breast or since I originally had breast cancer, since I had my surgery and I still get a lot of pain in my chest. But I find ways to make it better. I find ways to to go, oh, OK, I know that that. Pain there. Let me do a little bit of biofeedback. Let me do a little bit of of meditation. Let me refocus then other areas of my of my body that aren't experiencing the pain, so that I don't get stuck with that thought okay. and get caught in that cycle.
0: I just want to clarify something because sure. I'm getting the impression. I mean, you're not telling people out there if your doctor says you need chemo, not to get it. You're not saying. Oh that. no!
1: By no means am I saying that. Okay. I think we all. I mean, I just don't want right somebody to, to get the choose. wrong
0: impression. You know. Yes. Of what you're saying, I,
1: and that's why I don't talk about my treatment per se, because I think that everybody's choice is their own. Okay. And you need to go and you need to talk to your doctor and say, "Hey, what is right for me?" Right. And my piece is more of you know there there's three types of people who get cancer um you have the ones that i don't care what you do i just want to live do whatever you need to do and i'll i'll just grin and bear it and keep going so you just tell me what to do then there's the ones that are like well you tell me what to do but i i also want to do a little bit more and can we have a little bit more of, of, of these things, some, some alternative, um, you know, or complementary wow. medical treatments. And then there's the ones that say, well, I don't want that treatment because it's not right for me. Okay. And if you're going to give it to me, then give me all the facts so that I can make the correct decision for me at this time on this day. And so it is that part of always talk to your doctor, always get, a, you know, always get a, a second or third opinion, always find out what other options are there. And if you decide to do the medication and the treatments that they give you, that's perfectly okay. When you're having issues, ask them about it. When you're having side effects, because the one piece where I get upset is that they'll say, oh, well, uh, especially, um, um, The aromatase inhibitors that they give you, the anastrozole, arumadex, tamoxifen, those things give you neuropathy so bad. I don't know about you, but it felt like Chucky was visiting me and just stabbing my feet and I couldn't feel my feet. Or if I did feel my feet, I felt stabbing pain in it. And so for me, it was like, wait a minute, you know, this isn't normal. There's something going on. What's going on? And and they would say, "Oh, well, that's normal. It's it's normal for you to feel that." And I'm like, "No, no, no. That's not normal. That's a side effect. That's two different things. The right. side effect is a side effect from the medication. Let's see if maybe there's a different medication that I can take
0: yeah. that
1: won't give me this side effect." And so, being conscientious of if the if the treatment plan that is prescribed for you isn't something that you can handle, isn't something that you want, is something that you want to um, to do a little bit more and put some complementary holistic factors in, then those are things to talk over with your doctor and say, look, can we have a little bit more over here? Um, I don't want to take, you know, these pain medicines. Can we try marijuana? I don't want to do this. Can we try this other alternative? I don't want to do this. Can we do yoga for movement? I'm, you know, I'm not eating healthy. Is it okay if I go to a nutritionist? So it's being able to have all of these other factors and are those things you do have to talk over with your doctor. What I am saying is that it's okay for you to say, that's not what I want. That's not the course that I want for my life. No, I don't want to do chemo or no, I don't want to do radiation or no, I don't want to do all these other things because they're affecting me adversely, or they're going to hurt me more than they're going to help. Right. And so at that, and that's what I say, you need to know the facts and it's okay if you don't want to know the facts and you just want them to do whatever they want to do. It's, it's perfectly okay. Um I don't have a problem with that. It's your life. And that's the way you want to live it. I'm happy for you. But for me personally, that's not the way I wanted to live my life. And so I did things slightly different.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And and I am on one of those aromatase inhibitors. And I failed on one. So they got me on a new one, which I'm not Mm -hmm. eh, totally thrilled with. So I'll be talking about to to the doctor about (laughs) that. Let's move on. Tell us about your play, Breast Cancer Diaries. And where can we see it?
1: So breast cancer diaries actually came about because I, I, I had so many weird experiences while I was going through breast cancer that I just wanted to know if other people were experiencing the same thing. And sometimes it was inappropriateness by the medical staff. And I just, I thought, you know, is it, is it just me? I mean, you know, is is it my attitude? Is it the way that people see me? Is it what the hell's going on? And so I started asking people, well, well, what's your experience? What do you what do you see? You know, are you getting the information that you need? Are you being, you know, bullied by your doctor? Are you being um, inappropriate? You know, is, is anything inappropriate happening? And I started interviewing women and men. And I got so much information that just had me shocked um, and so it became and and then i went to um because you mentioned um male breast cancer happens the, right, the conference right. that they had in 2019 and so i went there and i learned all about men going through this experience and i interviewed a whole bunch of you guys and i put all the information together to be able to then do the play. So the play is actually a compilation of over a hundred stories for men and women who have experienced breast cancer and what it's like for them. And so the play takes you from The day that you notice that there's something wrong, that you notice a lump in your breast. And you start wondering, well, you know, is this cancer? And, you know, is is there something wrong with me? Do I need to, you know, and so taking it from that to taking it the next step is, you know, okay, so you went to the doctors, now you got diagnosed, and here's your diagnosis. And so we have the play is set up of eight different people, one male, and you see how they go through. Everything you see how they get diagnosed, you see how um they talk about dreams, we talk about suicide, we talk about depression, we talk about um we we talk about all the different experiences or not all of them, but a lot of them on what's going on and there's a part in it where we talk about our diary entries, and that's where the name you know breast cancer Diaries comes from. It's all these stories from individuals, men and women. And so the, the play is talking about those and, okay. and good experiences, bad experiences, hilarious things that happen along the way. And, and it's just, it, it became so wonderful. Um, to, to be able to do that, to be able to bring all those stories together. And we also did a part of it was the documentaries that we showed with the, with the play um, that people were talking out. And so you would see the different stories also in the documentaries, you know, some of those stories so that you could see that it's all these people, it's different people and how they're experiencing it and what they wish they would have known or Or their hope for the future for other people.
0: Now, uh, I know the play was performed in uh, New York. Uh, It was
1: originally performed in New York, yes. Yeah.
0: Is it going to be performed in other states? Yeah. And can can groups out there produce it? Perform it.
1: Yes, definitely. So so we originally performed it. um, I wrote it in 2019. And we performed it like six months later. And everybody in the play, which which was so wonderful, with the exception of two of the actress, everybody else in the play in the original were breast cancer patients. They had been diagnosed. And so as we're rehearsing for the play, you would see, you know, sometimes because some of the topics are tough. And so we would have our own little therapy session. As we're practicing for the play and then going back to to do the rehearsal. We did it in New York. We sold out within two weeks. Wow. Um, so it was a, a great, it was an off-Broadway sensation. We did it in Staten Island. We did it in Manhattan. And then COVID hit. And then I moved to Florida and we've done it here in Florida. We did it in Spring Hill at the... Um, At the uh, Stage West Playhouse. Excuse me. And it was a success there, too. We had two days that we did it. Um, And what I thought was so wonderful was the first night you had a lot of individuals and and it was the first time because the first play I was able to sit, I was part of the cast the second time. And when we did it in Florida, I was part of the audience and it was wonderful to see the reaction of the audience on how they were, they were taking it in. And on our first night we had people tended to be quiet. Um, There was, some people were like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know how how horrible it could be sometimes for people. And in this and in the matinee, we had a group of of women who had had breast cancer who came to watch the show. And what I thought was so cute was that you hear. "Yep, yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, that was me. And And so there was so much interaction between yeah. the cast and the. Audience because the audience was going, yeah, that's right. That's what happened, you know. And and it was wonderful to see that. Um, I do have it to where we offer it to other organizations to be able to perform it for themselves, yeah. to be able to raise funds for them. Um, they just need to let us know. Um, we'll work with them on the copyright issue because we do have the copyright to the play. And so
0: Over 20,000 households each month make the choice to join switch-to-the-box shopping club. They realize being their own health advocate and voting with their dollars becomes their voice. An estimated 133 million Americans, nearly half of the population, suffer from at least one chronic illness, such as hypertension, heart disease, and arthritis. That figure is 15 million higher than just a decade ago, and by 2030, This number is expected to reach 170 million. Studies show that one in every three people will have cancer in their lifetime. We are being led down a path of deception through false advertising and subpar testing of the products we use. Lawsuits are mounting against huge corporations for products contaminated with dangerous amounts of cancer-causing chemicals, products labeled natural actually containing synthetic ingredients, fraudulent labeling of products. Sunscreens being recalled after internal testing shows low levels of benzene, a carcinogen in the product. According to the Consumer Reports National Research Center, 78% of Americans prefer to purchase products manufactured in the United States. Great news, Switch to the Box represents a North American manufacturer located in doing business since 1985 that has met the standard of formulating, manufacturing, and packaging products that are safe, free of harmful chemicals and toxins, are effective, competitively priced, offer outstanding customer service, privately owned, and patriot driven. You will find Switch to the Box products to be more effective than national brand products, making laundry rooms, living rooms, bedrooms, bedrooms, kitchens, nurseries, and bathrooms safer and more enjoyable. The products feature natural ingredients like citric acid to remove hard water stains, enzymes to clean dishes, and biodegradable ingredients to gently remove tough stains from laundry. Every nutrition, personal care, home cleaning, and cosmetic product has been developed and manufactured to stand out from the competition. Each of their over 400 products is superior in a very clear and relevant way. Become a member today. There is no added expense to your budget by joining as you are already someone else's customer. Click the link in the podcast notes to obtain information on joining and a full description of the program and all the benefits. Now, back to the podcast.
1: You know, we we just have to, you know, a, a small little three little things that they have to do to make sure that we stay and and we honor the stories that we're giving that we're sharing because because people ask oh well you you know how did you come up with the play and it's like well i i really didn't it's stories it's true stories everything in the play is true right and so it's it's being able to honor the person who's story that is and that's his story that's her story this is how it went for them and so what we did this year um when we did the stories i actually changed some of the stories for this one so that more stories could be heard okay um,
0: okay so for those out there that are going to be or are listening to the podcast uh we'll we'll give you the information how you can get a hold of dr charlie and maybe uh, work work this out in your area. You might be in California. You might be in wherever Colorado. Wherever Timbuktu.
1: Yeah. We actually have. Um, we've had a request to perform it in Wisconsin. We've had a request to perform it in um, in the UK. Which I'm like, I'll be there opening night. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and I've written it in such a way that. When the director for your play takes on and, and does the blocking and, and does it how they want it to be portrayed, it, it does look different in each show on how, on how it's being directed is what makes it different. How the, how the characters are interacting with each other, how they're interacting with the, with the audience. And you get that different feel. So, um, so we do help a little bit with the with the directing if anybody needs um, assistance yeah. with that. But we allow the directors to put their own their own flavor to it.
0: Okay, that so, sounds great. Now you yeah. you've created documentaries, messages of hope, uh, faces of breast cancer, which I was fortunately fortunate to be included in. Uh, breast cancer, men speak out. You were uh, in
1: that one too.
0: Yeah, wh- why? You were in all of them. I'm telling you, yeah, I'm, I'm one, of, yeah. one of your actors. Uh, You're
1: one of my actors. Yeah.
0: <laughs> why did you? Why did you produce? Uh, tell the audience why you produced a documentary just for men.
1: I thought that there is a uniqueness to male breast cancer, and it is that piece of yes, we're all having chemo surgery, radiation, if, if that's the treatment that we're getting, but we experience it differently. Men experience a different connection to their breasts than women do. And also how they're treated, because it was very shocking to me to find out that men are treated with a lot less compassion and sometimes a lot less respect because, you know, even in the play, we talk about where men have been kicked out of support groups because it's just for women and just for people with breast cancer. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I have it too. So why aren't you accepting me? And so it becomes that part of, you have a, you know, men have a unique experience with it. And that's what I wanted to show. Um, and I I know Brett and a couple of you were, um, you know, Brett says, well, I thought I was being punked when he was diagnosed, you know, you know, where's the camera who's, who's bunking yeah. me now? Um, You know, and then um, Mike thought that they must've had his medical records confused right. with his sister because his sister, yeah. yeah. Cause his sister had had breast cancer. And so he's like, no, 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 no. You, you know, that's my sister. That's not me. Um, And she'll, realizing that, or they put you guys in in pink gowns, you know, or they, they, You know, when you're going in for your mammogram, oh, you're not supposed to be here. Get out. This is, you know, this is just the women's area. And it's like, well, I'm here for my mammogram, too, you know, from a male perspective. And so I thought it was so important to show the men by themselves being able to talk amongst themselves, to be able to to say what was true for them and noticing that you're also Connect it in a, in a different way, because then it's like there, there's some shame in it as well. It's like, oh, well, I'm a man. I'm not supposed to have that. Um, one of the, one of the stories that we talk about is, um, one of the men that was going off to Vietnam to go to war and he got diagnosed with breast cancer and he felt such shame that he had breast cancer that he never told anybody for like 40 years. So, um, so it does become the part of, are you noticing how you're treating our men? Something as simple as, you know, when a man says, Hey, I got a lump in my breast and the doctor says, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, that that's just, you know, that's just growth hormones or, or that's, you know, that it's typical for a man to get that as just, you know, ingrown hairs or something. And they don't go further than that. They don't go in and investigate to find out, yes, there is an issue or doing that compassionate piece of, you know, men have breasts, too. And and you end up with scars. And um, one of the uh, one of the comments of uh, during the play uh, from from Brian, our, our male cast member was, you know, I have breasts too. And my, you know, my breasts were removed. I lost my nipple. I lost my, both my breasts and I can't hide it behind a bra. I can't hide it behind something else. And I've been mutilated and nobody talks about that for me. And so being able to notice that to say, well, where are the male services? Where are they getting help? Where are they you know, able to talk to somebody and be able to say, Hey, you know, I have this issue and, and how do I talk to my wife? How do I talk to my kids? How do I talk to my boss? Because, you know, you're supposed to be the macho thing and macho men don't get breast cancer. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, so that was why it was so important for me to do. Just men talking amongst themselves and and talking about their experience and what it was like for them because it is different than women.
0: Yes, and I'm glad I'm glad you did that. And I I might also add for anybody listening out there, I personally run a support group uh, for men once a month uh, where we all chit chat together. It's not recorded; it's just a private conversation on on Zoom. It's virtual, and if you you know anybody that has male breast cancer or you have it and you're listening, uh, you just get a hold of me at uh, it's a wrap with wrap at gmail.com and I'll, I'll get you to the the place you need to go to, to come to our meetings. Uh, Dr. Charlie, uh, what, well, you are an author. Uh, Briefly, can you, can you tell us about your books, uh, Breast Cancer from Diagnosis to Surgery and Breast Cancer uh, inspirational quotes, thoughts, and comments. Can you briefly tell sure. us about that?
1: Sure. So, um, breast cancer from diagnosis to surgery was actually my first book on breast cancer. And so, it talks about the different tests that you're going to have, how to go through them, what, how you can mentally prepare. It also talks about how to, um, how to set up a support group. Some of the ins, some of the little tidbits that you don't know, like how to prepare your house for when you come back from surgery, because most people think it's like, oh, you, well, you had surgery and you're going to be fine. And, you know, you can cook your own stuff and, and, and get stuff. And I remember I prepared for my surgery. I was so proud. I, I did like a week's worth of, of food, had it all packaged up in little individual um, containers and so on, and the day after my surgery, they don't let you eat the day of, so you're starving. So at four o'clock in the morning, I get up. I'm starving. I'm I'm going down the stairs. I couldn't open the fridge. I just that that little suction on the fridge i just couldn't open it so here i am all my food is in the fridge but i can't get to it because i can't open the stupid fridge and so i'm calling my friend and i'm like could you please come and make me something to eat i'm in so much pain i need food and she's like charlie it's four o'clock in the morning i'll be there in a couple of hours and so i'm just thinking oh my god you know i i'm not prepared and then things as simple as you know you're not able to lift your arms. For me, I wasn't able to lift my arms because every time I lift my arms, I had so much pain in my chest from all the surgery. And so it's like, well, I couldn't lift a bottle of, of, um, of water. And my friend thought, well, let me get you some, some milk. So she bought me a jug of milk well, here's a gallon of milk. I can't lift the stupid milk. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe if I just knock the milk down on the counter, I could just like lick it up, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe some of it will fall into the glass, you know. Um, But then it's like, okay, now I have to clean up this mess. And so these are things that you're not told. So we talk about that in the book. And we also talk about your, your mental health ways to look at things, ways to, things to consider, um, support groups that you might want to go to, to be able to get education, to be able to know that you're not alone. And so there's a whole bunch of information in that book on how to go from here to there. Um, Then the, um, the breast cancer quotes, inspirational quotes and such, I think that we all need those inspirational quotes every now and then. And so as I wrote the book, I got some quotes that I really loved from other individuals, from from famous people, from not so famous people. And then just thoughts that I had along the way of thinking through things, of being able to say, you know, do you really want to live your life angry? you know, what do you want to choose for today? Because that is the one piece that we always forget that we have a choice and everything we do is a choice. Even not doing something is a choice, Right. you know, so do I choose to eat healthy? Do I choose to, to, you know, have a better lifestyle than I did before? Do I choose to have this medication? Do I choose to, you know, to look at alternative um, options like yoga, meditation, acupuncture, um, qigong. Do I, do I choose to do those things to help me with my body? Um, you know, or do I not? Do I just, woe is me. And, you know, there's that big cloud over your head, like in Bam Bam, you know, and is that what you're gonna, how you're gonna live? So realizing that every day we do choose what we're, what we're doing, how we're going to live and how we interact with our partners. Because that is the one piece that realizing that our partners are also going through breast cancer, you know, your wife, your husband, your lover, they're going through it too. your kids, everybody that's in your life is going through breast cancer along with you. They're experiencing it from a different perspective, but they are experiencing it as well.
0: Are you working on any new books?
1: I am actually. I'm I'm writing a book called Breast Cancer One Hundred and One: What You Should Know But Aren't Told, and so it is all these little tidbits that you need to know. Kind of like my favorite is for for women after you have your surgery. And realizing that, um, you have a lot of pain in your chest. And so when after you have gotten rid of your, um, your surgical pads and stuff, how to keep, how to keep your wound care well, how to, you know, um, one of the tricks that I learned was you put a t-shirt on, you pull it out, you put all the pads in front to cover your wounds, and then you put your bra on top of it. So that you have that extra cushion against your chest because you do need to have a bra to hold what is left of your breasts. And, and you need to also hold up those, thir- um, those sutures so they don't tear, you know. So there's tidbits like that. There's also how to prepare your house for when you come back from surgery, how to, you know, how to set up your meds, something as simple as, you know, Will you remember um, how to set up your bathroom? Because most people don't think about, well, I would like to take a shower sometime, but I can't lift my arms up. So now I can't reach the shower heads, Um, you know, or when after your surgery and you're trying to take a shower instead of a bath, because you might get in the bathtub, but you might not be able to get out. And if somebody comes and pulls you by your arm, you're going to feel all that pain in your chest. So it's, it's these little tidbits that people don't talk about. Also being able to talk to your doctor and saying, look, these are the issues that I have. What can we do about them? How can we, you know, how can we address them? What about the fatigue that I'm experiencing? Because we'll get tired all the time. So how will you deal with that fatigue? can you get naps um do you tell your your family about your breast cancer do you not do you tell your employer do you not and if you do tell it for the employer for instance um if you then get fired then what are you going to do so here are some resources that you can connect with because they can't fire you for that especially for men because for women you know you you more easily have a legal issue Um, which you have it for men, too. But men don't think of that Yeah, because they don't think, oh, well, you know, you know, if I'm a man and I work construction, how is that going to work? If I'm a man and I work, say, at, you know, at a not just a factory, but like at Home Depot and I have to lift all these boxes, how can I do that? Because that's going to hurt my chest. And so now my my work might be in jeopardy because I can't perform. So realizing that there's so many aspects that go along with the breast cancer, it's not just, oh, you know, you got your surgery, you got your chemo, and you're done.
0: Yeah. And I might add yeah. uh, for everybody out there, uh, I'm really looking forward to that book. Please uh, let me know when that gets released because I will definitely promote it on uh, on my social yeah. media. And I want to tell everybody, Dr. Charlie's right, spot on. They really don't talk about this stuff. This is all stuff you have to learn on your own. and The hard
1: way. The hard <laughs> way.
0: Yeah, yeah, the hard yeah. way. And uh, it's wonderful that, you know, you're writing this book and people can get that information because... Thank you. It's, it's, it's just important.
1: Yeah, I'm I've I've got a hundred and I, I've come up with 157 things that I want to tell you. And I start writing and then I, I get a little wordy because I'm trying to cover as much of the topic as I can. And so something as simple as transportation. And that's one of the things that I I one of the chapters that I just wrote yesterday. And when I was talking to a friend, I'm like, oh, my God, I wrote eight pages. I had over 4000 words. And she's like, well, it's just transportation. What the hell? You know, why is it so long? And I'm like, because it's not just transportation. If you you know, if you can't drive yourself, who's going to drive you? Are you getting you know, if you've got Medicaid, Medicare, whatever. Did you know that you have a form A 2015 that your doctor can fill out so that you can get transportation. So now they can take you back and forth to your doctor. And the fact is that most insurance companies will allow that as well, but they only give you 18 sessions or some only give you 12 visits, not visits, but rides So if you're going to chemo and you have 16 chemo visits that you have to do, now you've got 32 visits. If your insurance company is only giving you 12, what are you going to do for those other 20? How are you going to get back and forth? And you can't pay for it because you can't take Uber back and forth. I mean, you can, but that becomes very expensive and you're going to have so many, so many bills. And so... You know, I talk about here's these forms that you get Um, you know, even though HIPAA says, don't tell us what you have me when I tell people about that form, I'm like, have your doctor and if your doctor won't do it, you do it right really big on the top has cancer because now they know that they need to hit that little button that says unlimited rides. Right. So they don't stop you. And then you have to fight for two months to get the rest of your visits back and forth to be able to do that. So it was it was that piece of when I answer the questions, I try to put in all the information that I can think of that I've learned along the way. And and the book is being written in such a way that if you have a question about something, just look for it. You know, transportation, here's your answer. Um, You know, showering, here's your answer. Um, What was the other one? Gauze pads, here's your answer. Because did you know that your doctor can write a prescription for gauze pads and you don't have to pay for it?
0: Yeah, Yeah. And people
1: turn around and go, oh, well, it's no biggie. It's only $5 for 25. And it's like, really? You end up using two gauze pads, right? For each side of your breast. So if you had it on both sides of your breast. That's four. And how often do you clean those pads? Twice a day. So now you up to eight. Eight and 25. You're done with that one pack. In less than three days.
0: You're back in the drugstore buying another pack. And
1: you're back in the drugstore buying more. And so by the time you finish for that week. You got like a $20 fee of nothing but gauze pads. By the end of the month. That's $80. I, on I, top of everything else,
0: I don't want to tell you how to write the book and I'm no, sure you please. Probably, I, I, I you probably thought Feel of it but I think uh, I would hope that you would have a section on there about people that are alone and and yes. live alone yes, because there's a lot of people out there that are by themselves. there's a
1: lot of people out there and I have on. to say, I went through breast cancer alone at the beginning. I didn't want anybody to know. I, I wasn't anywhere near my family. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I was very proudful, you know, and I can do it on my own. And it's like, no, I can't, you know? Um, and so in each chapter, I talk about that issue as well. Don't go it alone. You know, even if you have to you know, call the, the local organization or call somebody in your church and say, can you come and sit with me for my surgery? Can you come and, you know, and sit with me and, and just talk to me while I'm trying to cook? Because one of the things that happened for me was I ended up getting, um, an immune disorder called sweet syndrome. And so what happened was that my, my skin, my sutures let go. They dehissed and so they couldn't keep the skin together. So I actually had open skin, open wounds. And so I couldn't move my arms because every time I moved my arms, it tore at the sutures. And so everything I, I look like a zombie. Um, and so whenever I tried to move my arms or lift something, you know, I could cook, but I couldn't get the pots off the stove. I couldn't, you know, something simple. I just couldn't get it off the stove. So I needed some assistance in that. And so as you say, there are a lot of us out there that are going through this alone. Or even if you have family, you still go through some of this aspect alone. Because if you try to talk to your family about things, sometimes it freaks them out. It makes them scared. Um, the one area that I see and and one of the biggest areas in the book is the part about talking about death. Because the minute you say, you know, well, I want to do this before I die. My family hated me saying that. But I would say, well, I want to I want to try to do this before I die. I want to have all these pieces before I die. And and if I said, well, I don't want to take that medicine anymore. And they're like, oh, my God, you're suicidal. Don't give up. Don't, you know, don't stop. You, you have to fight. You have to be strong. And I'm like, I'm not suicidal. I just not want to take that. No, I'm not going to do that. It's no, not I'm making not gonna...
0: me feel very good. Exactly.
1: And <laughs> yeah. it's like, let me let me reassure you that I don't plan to die. I just don't plan to do that. I want to do something different. It's
0: affecting your quality of life. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly.
1: And and it is very important of realizing that sometimes these these issues are hard for our family to accept. Yeah. And hard for them to talk about because they don't want to talk to you about dying. Well, look, if I die, here's here's all the information. Here's my will, here's this, here's that. And they're like, no, 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 you're not going to die. I don't want to hear it. I don't don't even make a will. You know, and that's another part that nobody wants to do the, you know, if I do, if, and the way I look at it is the minute that you do your last will and testament, you're actually acknowledging that you're going to die. It doesn't mean you're going to die today. It doesn't mean you're going to die from breast cancer. It doesn't mean you're going to, you know, die from whatever, but you're admitting that somewhere along the line, you're going to die.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's what stops people from signing on that little dotted line. Because I know when I wrote my will and I actually went and I did it at the attorney's office, and they had their staff come in to to know, you know, to to witness that it was me doing it. And I just burst into tears. And I'm signing it, just going, okay, it's really me, it's me. And, the, and and everybody's like oh don't worry dear you're not going to die and i'm like of course i am you know it's like i'm not going to die from breast cancer but i'm going to die someday and and it was that that piece where I, when they kept telling me that i'm like oh my god this is just too funny you're an attorney you know i'm going to die someday you know but you guys are insisting that i'm not and and it just became really hysterical. So there I am with with laughter while I'm crying, while I'm signing my will. Um, and now it's just, you know, it's just that admission of, yeah, someday along the way. But I want to protect my family. And I want to make sure that the the people that I want to have certain things, they have it.
0: Dr. Charlie, how can people contact you?
1: Um, they can contact me through Cancer Tamer. So CancerTamer.org. O R G, um info at cancer tamer.org. They can also call us at 718-916-4124. Um, how else can they? If they are in Florida, now I'm in Florida, mm-hmm. um, they can come and visit. Um we do a uh, part of Cancer Tamer does a lot of educational pieces and and different workshops that we do one of the workshops that i found that i haven't found anybody else doing is a workshop on being able to mourn your breasts whether you're male or female that is a part of your body that you're losing and so being able to say hey this is this is something that's no longer with me especially for women how can i say goodbye to something that was a part of me um, whether or not you had reconstruction, you still lost what was originally there. And so being able to have the ability to, to do some releasing along those lines. So,
0: Dr. Charlie, what words of advice do you have for people uh, out there newly diagnosed with any form of cancer, it doesn't have to be breast cancer, and their family mm-hmm. members uh, to keep in mind And help them make decisions regarding the cancer journey. What advice do you have?
1: I think the best advice that I can give you is not to do things out of fear. It's okay for you to take a moment and sit with the information and decide and do some of your own research to ask for a second opinion, to ask for a third opinion Um, and always and and I always think this is funny, but people will go, can I talk to your to your um, the doctor in your practice and, and get the second opinion from them? It's like, no, 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 no. When you get a second opinion, you go to a different hospital, you go to a different organization right. to get your second opinion. Um, and so being able to know that. If you're doing things just out of fear, you're going to get stuck in that fear mode. And so the more information you can get, the more information that you can that you can learn and the options that are available for you and your family, then you can actually make a, a more informed decision. And you can go, well, you know, I don't know that much, but I think this might be better for me. And knowing that it's okay for you to decide something today. And change next week or decide that, you know, I tried this and it's not working for me. Can we do something else? And it's okay for you to be able to give your opinion and to tell your doctor, this isn't working for me. This isn't the quality of life that I want to live. Let's find something else. And if you And if your doctor isn't being respectful or you feel that they're bullying you into making a decision or hurry up and and do what I tell you, get a different doctor, go somewhere else and get your treatment and being able that's your right. You have the right to say, no, this is not working for me. Let me go somewhere else. Ah, So
0: great advice. Thank you so much. I want to thank you, Dr. Charlie, for being here with us today and and showcasing all the great things you are doing uh, for breast cancer patients and their families. And I wish you great success as you continue your work in the breast cancer arena. I know I'll be uh, working alongside you uh, in the near future. Uh, Comments and suggestions uh, for the podcast, you can email me at itsarapwithrap at gmail.com. Our Facebook uh, group is itsarapwithrap. And I think we have a couple thousand members now. So
1: uh wow, awesome. That,
0: yeah, that's a that's a great group. Uh we're on Instagram, it's a rap with rap podcast. We're on Twitter or X as it's known at, at Rapper, W-R-A-P-P-E-R 130. That's 130. Our website is it's a rap with rap.com All the episodes on YouTube, it's a rap with rap, the podcast uncut. We don't edit the podcast on YouTube, so Whatever's on there is on there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to thank you once again, Doctor Charlie, for being with thank us you. and and spending time with us. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Everybody, please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap.